Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show, and um, as we close out 2022, I feel pretty pretty strong, stronger than ever uh, in the uh, path that I'm on and the purpose that I am was given in this life uh, to shine a light on those um, who consistently uh, make themselves vulnerable uh, and uh, play from their heart uh, musically to help others feel better about themselves. I can't uh, but remember, um, the great piano player Ben Sidron told me one time that uh, Art Blakey said that his job was to wash away the dust of everyday life for all the citizens and cats that were coming in after uh, a hard day's work. And You know, I was uh, <clears throat> took my uh, daughters up to Boise for a family reunion for Christmas, and uh, you know, Boise is not uh, necessarily a town that's going to jump off the map as a bastion of post-bop or fusion music, but stumbled into Chandler's Steakhouse, and uh, this cat was just dancing on the the piano in a you know sort of a Hampton Hawes, Bill Evans kind of groove, and uh, really just uh, got my uh, got me going a lot and put a smile on my face. And you know, it's people like that who are searching and seekers uh, that I look for on my show. It could be Al Miola, it could be Bill Cosby, or it could be my next guest. Pianist Garrett Mayer, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thanks, Jake. Pleasure to be here. You know, I, I just, I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about your intentions for getting into music. I mean, did the music choose you? Yeah, I think it did. Um, when I really decided that this is something I wanted to do with my life, I was I was probably about 13 years old. I uh, just fell, fell in love with it, you know, listening to music uh, on CD late into the early morning hours when I should have been asleep. <laughs> That's about when that started and uh, when I really got the bug for it. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what it, I mean, because, you know, for some people, I mean, were you already taking lessons or were you ear trained? I'm just, you know, for me, I was a very much a latent uh, music lover and, and just in the sense of a journalist and a broadcaster. I mean, I, I probably had like a best of the Doobie Brothers CD and, a, you know, maybe Sergeant Peppers. Uh, and I started collecting vinyl, but I mean, why were you up listening and what were you listening to? Mm, sure. So, yeah, I was taking piano lessons. Uh, I started actually taking lessons when I was eight years old. I was I was plinking out stuff on the piano before then, um, you know, just like the Star Wars theme. Ah. Uh, it's probably the first thing I can remember trying to sit down as a little kid and figuring that out by ear on the piano. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I took lessons when I was eight years old, and it was mostly classical stuff. Um, and, you know, we were going through some really tough uh, times when I was that age, when I was about 13 years old. Mm. My parents were missionaries uh, to Alaska, and we were on a furlough trip um, that took us around the United States for support raising. So we were gone away from home for seven months. And, uh, you know, when you're 13 years old, that's that's a rough time wow. to be away wow. from home and away from your friends. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. Um, that, that was the time when I really just 
music as a lifeline. Um, felt pretty pretty lonely at that point in time and kind of misunderstood. I suppose we all do at that age Absolutely. to one extent or another. Yep. Um, but but that's the time when I really started listening to orchestral music. Uh, and again, like the Star Wars stuff, I, I got the soundtrack from a video game that had the, uh, it wasn't the original motion picture score. It was like um, studio sketches of these themes that were, they were fully rendered rendered um with the orchestra but it's not what you hear on the movies so whoa what, what, um, i'm sorry I what really, what video game was it uh, it was uh gosh no i don't give that is so badass i mean that i've never a, even heard of that yeah it was a cd-rom video game uh it was one of the star wars video games and i i can't even remember what it was hmm. maybe rebel alliance or something like that I dig. Uh, but it was on it was on a disc and i figured out when i was young that i could put that disc in my cd player and i could play the tracks. Um, and again, it wasn't the music from the game. It was like, it was, again, it was like these sketches from, um, while they were rendering out the music for the movie. So really interesting stuff, but it gave me an ear for orchestration. And I just got really into how all the instruments function together. And, um, and that just kind of sparked my imagination. I would just spend hours and hours listening to that stuff and, uh, messing up my sleep schedule. And I think I still, and that way, <laughs> based off of that. So, can you? I just, I, I, I know, hindsight maybe with some perspective. Um, you're not the first cat that I've talked to that um, had parents that were doing mission work, uh, or they themselves were missionaries. And and while they, I, I just wonder about like how you've tried to incorporate spirit or or do you feel like are you like even though that was a lonely time for you or you were misunderstood and and, you know granted we go through ebbs and flows in life i mean so much of modern music today improvisational music i mean it's it's it i just don't feel like cats are necessarily telling their story i'm not sure if they have a story to tell and i just wonder like did your story begin then and do you try to incorporate some of that melancholic or that, that that just that, that vibe into your music so that you know whatever it is i mean you're here now but do you feel like you've been able to tell incorporate some of that into your own music i think so i think if i if i take it back to that point uh, when i can kind of say that that's when i fell in love with music and wanted to do it with my life my the seed at that point in time was I love this so much. I want to create stuff like this mm-hmm. and I want to be satisfied through the action of doing it and through the sound that comes back to my ears. And that still is my goal. Um, and that's sort of, it sounds kind of self-indulgent and perhaps it is, but that's, um, that's the driving force behind going back to the bandstand all the time or, uh, you know, not going out and just getting another job. No, dude, might, no, I mean, dude, listen, let, yeah, be easy. <laughs> let's be clear. I mean, it's a misnomer. I'm, I, you know, it's not about placating the audience. I mean, you have to get yourself off if you're going to get the audience. You have to do it for yourself, you know? It's not self-indulgent unless you take it to an extreme, you know? 
Right. Well, I think so. I think that's true yeah. for me, definitely. People are different, but yeah, that's how it is for me, for sure. I think all the masters, I mean, I, I remember one of my first interviews was with Ayrton Moriera, and he, he was just like, I have to play for myself. You know, I can't do, you know, how am I supposed to entertain people if I'm not, and I that's another issue we can get into. But, you know, I mean, did you feel, when was the, okay, so orchestral music, you started to hear how instruments were coming together, clearly arranging was coming into the fold. Um, do you remember the first time, like, you kind of <clears throat> recognized, and, and again, I, I say this in a very humble way, this is, you know, it's just when you realized that you were merely a conduit for the music coming through you from the heavens. Yeah, um, I think it was even before that point. Right. Um, I, I can remember that at piano recitals. And um, I used to love to perform at these piano recitals um, when I was really young. And we lived at this Bible camp, and there would be talent shows there often. So I just took every opportunity to perform in front of people. And uh, I can remember at one point, I think I was probably 11, maybe 12 years old, playing at a piano recital, and it was a, a Bach prelude. And it just went so well. <laughs> like I, it was I just flowing. Even, yeah, it was flowing. I didn't even. I didn't even know what happened at the end of it. You know, that's all. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Down and and my mom was like, "Well, that was amazing." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, that was fun. That was awesome. Like, I want to do that again." <laughs> you know. So I would say that was that might have been the first time I had that particular experience of like, "Wow, that wasn't really me. That was just like you said. It's that." existing energy that you become a conduit for and um and that's where the magic really is that's i think that's where the the slot is do you feel like i just think that's a perfect example and you were so young and innocent at that time it it wasn't like you even overthought it you know it was just you were a vessel really and i just feel like the my favorite musicians are the ones that are just you know, they're, they're involved with the conversation, they're supportive, but when they get out of their thinking mind and, you know, that then they're in the spirit mind and then, then all bets are off at that point. You know, the, the, the book is out the window, the, the you know, and I, and I, it frustrates me now that <clears throat> to a degree that some people, um, musically are just beholden to the notes on the page. I, as you continue to progress past the the Star Wars, um, uh, the, the, the CD-ROM, and di- did you, was, was that essence, that residual energy, was that something that you tried, not even consciously, but did you try to cultivate that? It doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time. Don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to pretend that this happens all the time, but I mean, because that's the addictive, magical part of music. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, right. how, how have you, I would like you to talk to Katz about letting go and being vulnerable so that you can allow yourself to be a vessel. How have you cultivated that over time? Yeah. Well, I think it's a question. It's craft versus um, the linguistic aspect of music. Break that down. Yeah. So craft is all about note reading and rhythm reading and playing with a metronome and and making sure you can play in tune and having chops and virtuosity and all that stuff. 
um, which are tools to executing musical statements that you want to make. And I think that's really what, that's what music is. Mm. That's what art form, mm. that's what art is. It's about communicating ideas. So I think it is easy to get so with the craft side of things where you're not connecting with the creative side of things. And sometimes you really just have to do that, honestly. Like, you you got to do what the job is. I play all sorts of gigs where it's like you, you're not supposed to stretch out. And you know, like you just need to, <laughs> no, you need I dig, dude. No, I dig. I dig. Um, I dig. Yeah, but if we're talking about if we're talking about getting to that point where you let go of yes, that stuff, yes, that's another that's another muscle to exercise. And so, I think a really good analog is conversations, just like a conversation we're having right now. When you're improvising music, it's all about listening and responding to the moment. And you know, there's this sort of cliche statement, but I think it's true that there are no mistakes on the bandstand. And, and what that means is that the only mistake is an opportunity that's missed mm. in, in the way that it means that I heard something that was unintentional, but I didn't respond to it, and I didn't, I didn't make it right. I love this. I freaking love this, dude. Yeah, that, and, uh, Miles, <laughs> I interviewed Schofield earlier this year, and he said, Miles used to say, you got to find the better notes, you know, but there are no <laughs> wrong notes. And, and the idea there is... Can you talk about a time in your career where you were playing, I mean, in a situation where it wasn't that uptight, but you might have hit a clam, and yet the entire group went with you? To me, that's the magic, because, I mean, the clams, or you flub a note, I mean, I've interviewed guys, studio cats, who, I mean, they they were like, let me do that again, because I hit a clam, and, you know, Arif Mardin's like, no, 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 and that became the, the hit song, Right Place, Wrong Time, Dr. John. David Spinoza playing guitar. You know, it's like this idea of perfection. Imperfection is perfection. And I just think it's like, and I, and I get the idea of responding, and, and I also get the idea that sometimes you just have to work on the craft itself. But do you remember a time when you, like, sort of were, maybe you were pl- <clears throat> playing some, you know, some place the the sound wasn't that good or maybe the piano was missing some keys or you know you just hit a a, a wrong note but yet the trust within the group was so strong that everybody went with you and it led to new vocabulary oh yeah all the time (laughs) Uh, and that's i mean that's what's good about playing with good musicians uh people who will go there with you and who aren't trying to strong arm uh to get their way about stuff um, and sometimes they can be right, you know, be like, no, you're rushing. I need to like, I need to pull you back. Um, but you hit the nail on the head. It is about trusting the people that you're playing with and kind of getting up into that, that higher energy where you, where you let go of your sort of faculties of reason at that point And you are just <laughs> communicating with, yes, yes. with music. Yeah. With the energy of music and the linguistics of music. Um, so yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's, it's magical, you know? And I think that is that sort of carrot that musicians who play improvised music, that's what we're chasing. That's why we keep doing it because it's such a great feeling. You know, I was just like, um, so many things are going through my head. I mean, how I talked to my older daughter a lot on the, on this trip about, um, 
you know, can you it, people's individual connection with source, spirit, God, whatever you want to say, and and you know, so much of it. Um, and I grew up somewhat agnostic, and and I'm a I received the Tao 10, 12 years ago, and I'm a Taoist, and it, you know, that's a whole other story. But it really just fundamentally just ended one chapter of my life, and ushered in this whole new chapter where so many of my, so much of my habitual nature fell away and my true nature came to the forefront being a broadcaster finding my voice uh and you know I just wanted you to talk a little bit about your own uh connection with source and how that plays a role in you know keeping I mean listen you have to be a little bit crazy to be a professional musician. I mean, you know, you, you obviously you can you can do lessons and stuff, but but you know, I I know cats that are road dogging it. They're like insanely good. I mean, they're great musicians. This isn't like bebop, but the point is, they're just like these dudes are top notch, and it's hardcore. They're doing like thirty gigs and thirty two nights. The pay's not that good, but the music. So you have to be a little bit a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but I just wonder how much your connection with Source, uh, God, allows you to to stay on your path. Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, you do have to be, I mean, you do have to be kind of out of your mind. <laughs> and there, there are gradients of that. That's why, that's why I love interviewing the cats, man, because, yeah. you know, you got to be a little, It's just, it, I just don't like the button down. And I know a lot of cats that are in the business world who are also musicians, and they jones to be a musician because they really, they are truthfully want to be out of their mind a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah. So I am a I'm a Christian. Uh, I believe in the God of the Bible, and um, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that that is my source of life. Um, I believe He's a living God, mm. and I have personal relationship with Him, and and through that He created all things. He created me to reflect his glory and he created music itself um so and that's a pretty recent realization for me um i i've been rather selfish in the past pursuing music like i mentioned it's self-indulgent just trying to chase that Mm. sort of high Mm -hmm. and that satisfaction um and i've done that in spite of trying to um serve my god and it's uh it hasn't really satisfied you know i've ended up in sorts of all situations where you just feel like you're you're hitting the wall musically you know if the opportunities aren't coming or uh whatever whatever group of musicians you're in things aren't happening or whatever project it is it's just it's not happening and i've run away from trying to embrace god as my father in pursuit of these things that I want to do. And uh, in just the last few years, I finally surrendered that stuff and just, and really just said to the Lord that I want to, I want to please you. And, and another component of that, Jake, is that I have a family. I have three kids of a wife. I've been married for almost 12 years. Mm-hmm. And there was a dynamic shift that happened for me. I want to say two or three years ago between there where I realized that my life is about serving these people um, who are my family um, and providing for them and demonstrating my love for them. And at this point, the way that I can do that is by staying in music and 
Um, but my goal is to provide for them and to impart my values into my kids as best as I can. And, um, and that's it. You know, I, I view, I view life as everything I have is given to me by God. And that includes my money, my talents, my, my wife, my relationships, and, it's unto me to steward the things that I've been given. And that's the only thing that I have control over. So I don't need to stress out about, am I going to, am I going to get to do the record I want to do? Or am I going to get to have this high that I want musically? Um, I'm, I'm not thinking of it in terms of, of that anymore. I'm thinking in terms of it as, you know, this is, this is my way of making a living and I get to have a tremendous amount of fun. It's also a tremendous amount of work. And, um, and no, I think I, I think it's just I think it's I think it's yeah. I just I just think it's I just think it's profound and beautiful. Was there a discernible moment when you surrendered? Oh man! Oh, we're re- we're really going to go in there. Well, I mean, I mean, this, you're getting oh. hit to the. I mean, this is uh, there's no fluff with the Jake Vimer. I'm you know what it is like because like you know. Uh, I I totally understand what you're saying, um, <clears throat> you know. But that idea of surrender, uh, because we're always in this sort of wanting phase, or you know, it's so important. To, gr- gratitude is important, and recognizing that you were given these God-given abilities, and 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 to be, you know, I'm still cultivating that at 43, and you know, and. And, uh, and I really, and I just told my older daughter, I just, I was telling her, I said, you know, Han, you can, you know, yeah, there, you hear these stories about the, the dogma within monotheistic religions and, you know, that goes across the board, Judaism, uh, Islam, Christianity. But I said, you know, a lot of the world continues to, to spin and rotate and exist because of really devout, beautiful people that are spiritually connected to their God. And, you know, I, I want her to, I said, you know, I can't force you to, you have to really feel it. You have to know that it's real. And that's what I was getting at is, was there a discernible moment when you were like, wow, not that you were self-indulgent, but that you were maybe taking it, you weren't taking it as seriously as it, as you should have. Yeah. That moment for me is, um, probably, the the winter of 2019 um i used to live in alaska i lived in alaska for about 20 years um and that's a bit of my my background too Hmm. and long story short um i didn't really thrive in alaska um battled with depression a lot it's really cold it's really dark um there are some really fine musicians in fact, um, some of my one of my very favorite songwriters lives up there. His name is Jesse Tyreinen, and um, love that guy. Amazing, amazing guitar player. You're gonna have to hook uh, me up with that guy, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just wanted to leave Alaska. That's all I wanted to do. Basically, um, I moved back there after college in 2011, and I just wanted to leave that entire time um so our plan was to get married stay there for a year or so and then head back east to finish going to school and uh 
that didn't happen. You know, it was, it wasn't a feasible plan to do that. I was 21 years old when we got married and absolutely no regrets there. In the process of living there, we, we had three kids and, uh, Hmm. anyway, so that entire time I, I was just railing up against the walls to try and save enough money to move or come up with a plan. I didn't even know where I wanted to go and was just totally being, um, unto myself doing it on my own strength and uh that moment in 2019 where i just i got to a point where i was like i can't do this anymore Mm. i can't do this by myself this this constant longing and and honestly there's a lot of uh, destructive habits that were developed during that time as well and and i finally was just so exhausted and so just kind of worn out that I went, God, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I've been afraid that if I surrender these things to you, that maybe you'll have me stay in Alaska. And I just was not willing to accept that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, so right, right, right. At that moment, I, uh, I just honestly surrendered that up to the Lord and said, whatever you would have me do, I will do it. And I, I, I'm not going to hold these things with a tight fist anymore. My goals, my desires, and my predilections, I want to give these over to you. And um, and it was at that moment, pretty much that week, that doors started opening up for us to move wow. here, to, here to Boise. Um, so what was and, the door? Can you talk about one of the doors? Or I mean, because like, this, is, this is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's like it's like it wasn't financially feasible. But then, like, I mean, had you ever been to Boise before? I had, yeah, I had yeah. been a couple times. In fact, I had been a year prior to that to just sort of check it out. And I actually went to Chandler's and met some of the people there <laughs> that time. And then yeah, uh, cool. we were going back for a wedding. So one of the things that started to make it seem more feasible is that um, my wife has some brothers who live here who kind of ended up here through some interesting situations Mm -hmm. of their own. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I have some family in the area who, who lived here too. So I was like, okay, we've got a little bit of infrastructure here. And um, there was going to be a wedding happening. So one of her brothers was getting married and we were going to be able to go back and we were going to go together this time. And at that time we got a little bit more of the lay of the land. We got to reconnect with the people I met a year prior and just kind of strengthen those relationships a bit and, and just kind of make it feel like, Oh yeah, this, this can actually work. And, um, yeah. So that's one of the doors that opened up just sort of having a bit of family infrastructure and, um, it just felt possible at once. Mm. You know, it's easy to add, it's easy. I'm trying to phrase this the right way, but basically you were saying to God, um, that you couldn't do it anymore. But I mean, in in reality, you would have ex- with your you had three kids, married, and if no doors opened, you would have. Do you think you would have been at peace and and okay with it? Um. Yes, and that's the word, man. Peace, peace. Uh, because yeah. that's that is what I received. That's what I, you know, what I. That was the first thing I was like, you know, when I walked into Chandler's, um, 
I was disappointed because I wanted to see, you know, freaking rhythm section, people swinging. But I was like, this cat, there's a lot. I mean, you were you were in light, but you were, I was like, he's at peace. Like, he's mm. he's at peace, you know. <laughs> and, and then and then as I started ho- hooting and hollering, you know, all of a sudden that left-hand bass started coming in. You know, it was beautiful, dude. But <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, that's the search. And it also, for people who are going to listen to this 50 years from now, it's just... It's also fair to say that Garrett Mayer still has ups and downs. It's not like everything is perfect and hunky dory, but the yeah. there is some acknowledgement at that point of a complete connection with God. And you know, I don't need. Um, <clears throat> I just told my older daughter. I said, you know, I, I'm not never going to. You know, I think part of the issue sometimes with some kids is that you know you just get force fed. I mean, I have very dear friends, musicians, who grew up hearing stories that were scary. I mean, it was they were in fear. You know, you get this sort of you grow up in the wrong kind of communities, and you can get kind of a twisted sort of version of of certain types of religions, people bastardize them, whatever. There's corruption, families kind of whatever. But, you know, when it's done in the right way or um, it's not even about words. It's just, it's just, it's that, that connection. And it's, it, to me, like, I, I hope that my kids can, can connect in, in that kind of real way someday. And um, I just appreciate you sharing that story, man. I mean, it, to me, um, do you play, um, do you play, uh, in the church? Uh, is that a, kind of a, a gig for you? Do you play worship? I don't want to say worship music, spiritual, uh, gospel music. Uh, I don't play in church. I have in the past. Um, I go to a, I go to Calvary Chapel in Boise and, uh, they have musicians who do a really excellent job there and it's awesome to be able to just go and attend church and not uh not be working so to speak they are working but i don't i don't know how many of them are working musicians outside of that so i uh, at this point i don't play any worship music at church but you know i do i i worship when i play music at home by myself absolutely but it's it's not usually the worship music that would be played at church however Discernibly, can you just talk about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, it was kind of hard to remember the conversation, but like, you know, Julian Priester, the great trombone player, you know, he would talk about that to me about that fine line between, you know, being an artist and and being a musician in the sense of, you know, um, being able to create your own music, original music. And be able to sing for your supper, playing that, you know, consistently or whatnot. And then the other side of it is being a musician where you got to take the funk gig uh, because it pays well. Or you got to play the the bar mitzvahs. And I, I, you know, to me, you know, like that's the part where you're, you know, some cats who are not spiritually connected to source, they can, resentment can build up a little bit. But now in Boise... You're okay with that. Whatever comes your way, it's okay because you're in service to your family to support that. Yes. Yeah, I think that's well said. And that, <laughs> that's, that's freaking awesome. Also- so, I mean, can you talk about some of these? And how do you talk about some of the gigs you play around Boise? Because, I mean, you know, and, and then ultimately, you know, 
how you try to make it fun, even if it's kind of a square gig, you know, where it's not, you know, it's it's not freaking Lafaro and Motion and Bill Evans, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I play Chandler's every week, and and I get to play with the rotation of musicians there. There's some really great musicians, dude. I I really bummed that. that I know. I'm, I'm I will never leave again. I I, I really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I that was like. It was very profound that that whole because we went we went to uh, Pengillies, which was cool, but it was just like this neo country band, and they were like it took forty minutes for them to get their sound, and I was like, why did I leave Mayor? I just needed to be with Mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) So you play with those cats. Those cats are. I mean, there's some real pedigree over there. Um, It's sort of a. It's a hidden gem. A it lot of really guys, is, man. It's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these guys who I have the privilege of knowing and, and being friends with and making music with are uh, they're retired studio musicians. Um, and I say retired, I just mean they've retired from the music business in L.A. Absolutely. But, Dude, you could, you could, but, I mean, I can't, I did not recognize, whatever, you could, back when it was thriving, if you were in that scene, you could definitely make a good living, so. Yeah, so they got out of that, um, you know, that part of the business and continue to work and live in Boise. And the opportunities around this place to play improvised music are really pretty abundant. Are you? Wait, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. I am shocked to hear. I'm really inspired to hear that. You, that what, yeah. Tell me, tell me about this. You're talking about paid gigs to play improvisational music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you know, there's a gradation on on what you can get. No, oh, whatever, dude. If you, you get five bucks, it's on. What? I don't give it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and notice, I didn't say jazz necessarily. I'm saying improvised music because sure. Um, I think the I, I think there is a distinction there. I don't need to go off in the weeds with it right now. But um, you know, getting to getting to play music that you are doing that listening and responding exercise while you're playing in terms of the vocabulary that you choose. Um, And so, yeah, there's a place called the Riverside Hotel that has five different venues in it. They've got a a really nice, classy venue called the Sapphire Room. Um, And that's um, a place where Gene Harris used to play quite a bit. There's a St. Chappelle's Winery. There, even Pengillies, there's a there's a band that plays in there every month called the Frim Fram Four, and they play music from the 30s, and they uh, they really kill it. Damn. Um, and uh, yeah, just restaurants, hotels. There's lots of uh, opportunity for private parties, and people kind of are hungering for that interaction between the musicians where you get to see people making choices on the bandstand in terms of their vocabulary and, and that just that conversational thing. It's, I think it's exciting for people. And so there, there is an abundant uh, swath of gigs to be had around this area. And, um, and I'm lucky to be here. I'm really, I learn from these people that I work with all the time. You know, I'm, I'm looking up to people <laughs> and it's an honor uh, to be in this position at this point in my life, uh, you know, I, I I don't mind getting deep in the weeds. I I don't know if you know the 
the the great multi instrumentalist uh, trombone player, uh, blues brother, Saturday Night Live cat, Tom Bones Malone. Um, when I interviewed him, this is what he said about um, improvisation, and I want you to respond to it. <clears throat> he said, um, "This is a guy who played with Gil Evans and all the Fania All Star records, and he's a very accomplished cat." He goes, "Jazz for me." is any music that has improvisation. It's not just swing music. It's not just rock music. It could be Latin. It could be New Orleans music. It could be R&B. All these art forms, to my experience, all have improvisation in them. I have a very wide definition of jazz. I remember somebody commenting on the list of musicians at the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Where's the jazz? I said, well, jazz depends on your definition. Some people think of it as swing and Charlie Parker, Miles Davis... My definition is much bigger and includes many different styles of music that involve improvisation. Improvisation is where you make up a melody in relation to a musical form that is being played by a rhythm section in any style of music. Some notes sound better than others, but you play with a dissidence when you improvise. You're in the present and the music is coming out, in my case, my subconscious. I've been playing the instruments for the last 55 years. The instrument kind of plays itself at this point, no matter what instrument I'm playing. Can you riff on that? I mean, I feel like that's kind yeah. of what you were talking about. But, And I just feel like part of my show, which is always has been, is like getting beyond the labels, getting beyond the stratification, because I just feel like labels stratify music. You can't, music can't breathe. They can't grow if you're going to constantly label it. And to me, if there's improvisation... That's jazz. In any music, that's jazz. Yeah. Well, just to preface a response, yes, I agree with you. So I think normally, as uh, demonstrated by that comment at the jazz festival, where's the jazz? Where's the jazz? Yeah. Because it's it's not hitting that person's ear in the stylistic idiom with exactly. which they associate jazz. They're not like whatever instrumentation or feel or whatever they think is jazz music. It's not that. So they're going, where's the jazz? But you're saying any type of music that has improvisational space in it is in fact jazz. And I totally agree with that statement. So um, there's a there's a Bill Evans TV spot. I think it's from 1965. I came across it on YouTube a few years ago where he's he's sitting down with his brother, uh, his brother, Harry Evans, who's quite a wonderful musical educator, uh, educator in his own right. Hmm. And they're talking about what jazz is, okay? Hmm. So hmm. Bill Evans says, at worst, jazz gets pigeonholed as a style. And I think that's what that person who's commenting on the jazz festival was doing. Is right. they're, they're going, this doesn't satisfy the style that I associate with jazz. But Bill Evans says, the style necessarily, because everybody can have their own style. Like when you listen to Bill Evans play and then you listen to George Shearing play, they're both playing jazz, but they sound completely different. They can be playing the same tunes. So they have their own styles. But jazz itself is not a style. It is a process of making music. And the process is one minute's music and one minute's time. So starting from zero, I'm spitting it out. For better or worse, there it is right now. Just like I'm speaking <laughs> words to you right now, right. I don't have it mapped out. Right. Sort of a basic idea of what I want to say. Um, but however it comes out is printed in ink, so to speak. You know, it's out there and you can't take it back. As opposed to when, when you write for a string quartet or something like that, 
one minute's music might take you a day to write or even a week or even a month, you know? So the, the linguistic process of improvisation is, is what is jazz to me. So Bill Evans further goes on to say that improvised music was really, really popular back in uh, the Baroque period and even early classical music. And then as music history wears on um, and pieces of music become more elaborate and the musical sort of zeitgeist becomes more about preserving pieces of music recorded on paper to then be performed by larger ensembles and with greater um, detail in the, uh, oh my gosh, yeah, in the notation. Sure, sure. So, so improvisation a lot of style, but Bach was a great improviser. Mozart was a great improviser. Beethoven was a great improviser. So Bill Evans says in this interview, as far as I'm concerned, they were playing jazz. <laughs> because they were, they were partaking of that process. That is that unbelievable. I, I got to find that and, video. Uh, and I went, oh, yeah, yeah. That, to that totally makes sense. So, um, yeah, that's what I think jazz is. Um, so I was I was making a distinction earlier and um, more about a stylistic distinction but I'm glad we got here with it because, really, when I say jazz, that's exactly what I mean. Is that I knew that it when, I, when you said it. I was like, "That is exact." I'm like, "I got to pull that quote up because that's exactly what you were talking about, and that is what is manifesting in Boise in the present time." Yeah, it is. You. So I just want to run through the four L's of my program with you. Um, first one is leadership. And I, I, I kind of wanted you to talk about um, what you think the most important qualities of leadership are on the bandstand. Mm. <clears throat> and here's another, think, here, you know, while you yeah. think about that, who, yeah. who, who, who's somebody in your mind who was a great leader that you worked with, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, maybe what, what did they do? Sometimes a lot of people say to me, well, I learned what not to do, you know, but I'm just curious about what you, how you've integrated people that your elders, the leadership you learned, how you've integrated that into your own, uh, even if it's not a, you know, constantly working group, how you try to infuse that into the people you're playing with. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing in, in leadership in this context, or maybe at all, is maintaining authority and that can happen just when you walk in the room a certain way people can sense your authority and you don't need to do that by being a tyrant or demanding mm. authority mm. you do that by your own presence being some something that exudes knowledge and confidence and um, and skill and knowing how to play your cards, you know, knowing when to intervene and be the referee on things and knowing when to give people their own autonomy. I think, um, I think a lot of it is, is paralleled with raising kids. In Interesting. Fact, you know, in, yeah. Like, that's fascinating. That's a fascinating, um, uh, uh, and now I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you, you, you really have to modulate, but also stay cool. I mean, under five, you have to exude that 
that sort of, um, well, continue, please. I mean, I, you know, ultimately, um, do you feel comfortable as a leader? Um, yeah, in most cases, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting, getting there. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're, 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 you're still, <laughs> you, I mean, you're, we're not talking, you're not a, you're not a, this, we're not talking to like, you know, Barry Harry, you know, you got, you're still, still a young cat pretty much, but yeah, you're, you're growing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like to be in the, in the leadership position. I, I feel comfortable being where the buck stops in terms of hmm. what gets by. Um, and if it's leading a rehearsal or if it's like, Hey, let's, uh, let's not be riffing in between songs on the bandstand on the gig, you know, like sometimes you have to nudge people a little bit. So it's just, I, I do, I do tend to like that position. Um, but it's not about just demanding your getting your way all the time. Um, it's about giving people their space, but it's about letting people know what the standard is. And I think, I think you can let people know what the standard is just by how you carry yourself in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and mm. I think of the great conductors who, who do this, um, who can be so gentle and gracious and non, um, critical of the players. You allow people to make their decisions. You know, if there's something that really needs to be addressed, then, yeah, you're going to get called out for it, but you can't micromanage people. Um, you, you have to allow people to grow and feel like they are making the decisions. And the big way to do this, again, conductors are so great at this, is to get people to believe the vision that you have and they partake of it in making their own choices. They get you... you win them over to your side and then they're looking the same direction as you and wow. they're stepping that way uh, in concert together. Well, we're, no we're, we're Gary Mayer riff, waxing poetic right now. I mean, it's, it's true. I, I mean, <laughs> th then that goes across the board. That could be a great head coach in a sports team or, a, um, yep. you know, I, I like that. I mean, have you <clears> – what about the idea of – you know, in theory, I guess, uh, surrounding yourself with people, you bring in people and you bring them in for what they can do and, and let them do it and don't, exactly. and don't be insecure about it because you bring them in to do what they do. I mean, my, I remember there was a, Dave Holland told me, uh, Coltrane kept coming up to Miles and saying, what do you want me to play? What do you want me to play? And Miles kept turning his back on him and Train realized, he's like, oh, he just, he, he wants me to be myself, you know? Um, yeah. and I think that that's hard for some people, uh, just because if you don't have a lot of experience under your belt or you're just generally insecure, you know, you kind of want to micromanage it, it you know, it, it easier said than done. So I think that like, to me, like that's a really important practice. Did you, did you have somebody even at Berkeley or in your life, like an elder musician that you can hearken back to that, you know, you realized maybe at the time you didn't understand, but you realized they were a great leader. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So many of my, my teachers at Berkeley were just that, like just by their abilities and their softness mm. and their voice. But, but then they, they would demonstrate their prowess right before your eyes. 
and more so than what they said, <laughs> yeah. it, it was it yeah. was how they were and what they did and what they could do that was so inspiring. Then that was like, I want to be like you. <laughs> I want to be like that. And I want to make people feel the way that you're making me feel right now. Uh, the, the next L is is your is love. What is your concept of love? Mm. And how yeah, do you my, and, and and how do you bring love? I mean, I think I felt the love uh, when I saw you, but you know, I, I remember Steve Cropper telling me, the great guitar player. He said, you know, <clears throat> a lot of young musicians today, um, music is their entire life. And he goes, I feel kind of bad. This is a guy who did millions of sessions at Stax, you know, major player. He goes, life is a lot more than just music. And, uh, and so it's about bringing love to the world, whether you're on the bandstand or not. But what is your concept of love? Yeah, my concept of love is selflessness. Um, What's an example of selflessness in your world? giving up your preference for the sake of someone else. Um, that's so important in marriage. Uh, yeah. it's, it's important to do that with your fellow bandmates too. Like I'm, I'm going to go the extra mile to make sure that you are taken care of, even though maybe you dropped the ball on something and I have to, I have to pick up the slack or I have to go buy you a stand light because you fail to communicate, you know, something like that. And no, I love it. I just want to stop you there because that goes back to leadership because the buck st- you like that the buck stops with you, so you have to be selfless in that sense. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked about my religious beliefs. Um, there's no greater demonstration of love than what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us by pouring out his own life for the sake of us, hmm. for the sake of everyone who lives on this earth for the the wages of our sin and uh he didn't deserve that but he took it upon himself um as the propitiation uh, to be the propitiation for our sins mm-hmm. and um so that's that's my model you know if i live up to that at all slightest it's by the grace of god but that that is my notion of ultimate love and selfless love uh comes from jesus christ you know, the, the third L is life, and life means uh, <clears throat> overcoming adversity, and, and you kind of already went through that with with uh, your experience in Alaska and surrendering to Jesus, and, and that was profound. So the fourth L is is lineage, and when I, when I talk about lineage, I'm talking about, uh, you know, <clears throat> in my own little simplistic way, going back to the origins of you know, all the original music, uh, the the forefathers of, you know, Bluegrass, Bill Monroe, R&B and Rock, Little Richard, Ray Charles, Fats Domino, Bird and Dizzy with Jazz, uh, <clears throat> the Blues Cats, you know, and I just wonder when you, the lineage of Garrett Mayer's playing in the sense of who did you beg, borrow, and steal from, and ultimately, and, and but, but ultimately, uh, you know, who were those cats that helped you form your own individual sound? Yeah. Um, I, I love 
Billy Joel. <laughs> oh man, dude, Long Island, dude, Long, Long Island cat, man. Yeah. Jazz cat. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, dude, 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 total badass. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, totally. Um, his sound, his attitude, his writing, his vocals. Hmm. Um, to me, he's he's like the whole package there, and he can he can improvise. Man, what a career he has had! I, I love his stuff. Just hugely influenced by him. I'm hugely influenced by the Beatles, Paul McCartney specifically. Hmm. Um, like wing, like what? I mean, I'm not a Beatles head, but like you're talking about the his bass playing or like the wing stuff or what? 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 What about McCartney? Yeah, his his abilities, his abilities as a writer and as a bass player and as a as a leader. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely contention there, especially as you get like toward the later end of the Beatles era. Um, but he, in my opinion, was the guy who was just trying to get everybody to the next project and be like, hey, we're in this together, guys. Totally. And uh, totally. let's let's come to work and act like we're working and, and let's try and make a good, you know, have a good measure of fun doing it. Um, but yeah, and I just love his music. I love the I love the sounds uh, that he gets, the harmonies, the uh, the lyrical content and just you know it's got so such range to it like he can play ballads and he can rock and he can play stuff that kind of pulls in jazz as well um i'm also really influenced by frank zappa fascinating uh, this is a, this is blowing me away i was not expecting <laughs> this is, oh really well i mean like i love I mean, it's not really in my, these are not, I mean, I love the Zappa from like the George Duke era. I mean, there's many different parts of Zappa. His entertainment, his, he was so, such a beyond genius cat. Um, some of it's over my, some of it's over my head, but. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can't love yeah. all of it. I, no, I, I think that, but I mean, these are, this is exactly what, what my question was. So you're answering it perfectly. I mean, but I haven't heard yet a jazz influence per se. Yeah. So when it comes to the. So this is again. I, I mean, I, mean, I just use that word. I apologize about using that label, but you know. No, I understand yeah, what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm more of a, I view myself as more of a composer than than a jazz player. And mm-hmm. so these guys that I mentioned, my influence comes from their ability to think through forms and to execute those things, and my jazz playing has somewhat uh, been utilitarian in terms of that's where the work has been it's like i can get a job playing piano so i guess i better learn how to take a solo and i better learn the standards and i better learn stylistic elements of being able to do this on the piano so in terms of that um bill evans is definitely there um george sharing oscar peterson Mm, claire any claire fisher at all uh, I haven't. I know he's way off the grid, dude. Totally off yeah. the grid. Yeah. Um, definitely love Keith Jarrett. Yeah. Um, McCoy Tyner. You know, all all the old great guys. Some stuff that's a little bit more new, like Brad Meldow. Right. Uh, love his playing. But uh, yeah, those those would be my influences there. I, I'm I'm a really big harmony person. Um, so I like. Uh, I like analyzing and digesting harmonic ideas 
and that's where the the jazz music is really fun because you get to you get to do these things on the fly and it's immediate um, but i'd say that's just one aspect of um, me as a musician is doing the sort of jazz piano thing um <clears throat> so I, I just have to tell you uh i'm coming back i i'm pr- i'm crossing my fingers but tell me that you're going to be playing some of these improvisational gigs during a tree fort festival yeah i should be here because i'm coming up for that weekend and i mean i have some buddies that are good buddies that are playing during the festival but i gotta go track down garrett mayer in, in every possible setting dude i mean we're gonna be rocking out yeah. Well, I'd love to see you. Yeah, man. I'm going to be in the festival. No, uh, what I'm I'm saying is like you... you, Yeah, no, what I'm saying is like I I, I can't really figure out. It just seems too overwhelming, but I'm just curious. Like, I mean, regular stuff will still be going on during that time as well. Yes. Yeah, then we're good to go, man. I mean, you know, man, I just want to tell you, um, you know, this is just the beginning of our collaboration, but... um, I appreciate your honesty and uh, and and your forthrightness and your faith and your belief. And um, I'm just at a point in my life where, um, I don't know, I feel directly connected to a lot of different, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know if pantheistic is the right way to, to put it, but I just feel a lot, a lot better uh, in that realm of connection to God. Um, and... Uh, and so I appreciate you sharing your story. It, it comes from a very real place, and you know, um, and I know it wasn't always easy, but you know, you're on your path, and uh, and you keep going, and uh, and I can't wait to to reconnect again in the new year, man. Likewise, Jake. Can't wait. Be cool, brother. Keep swinging. Happy New Year. Talk to you soon. All right. Happy New Year to you. Right. Thanks. Be cool, man. Peace. See ya.